If we just want earthly things, then that is all we're gonna get. And I'm sure that is what most people are after. But the problem with that is that if a person is just focused on this world, then they're going to be out of God's will, God's purpose, and so they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They can say all they want that they believe in God, but if they don't do the Father's will through their life, they simply will not be allowed to enter his kingdom. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. We'll be discussing how God can intervene miraculously. I think we would all like for God to answer our prayers and to intervene in our lives. I think we all actually need his miracles in one way or another. The good news is that God does desire to answer prayer and to act in our favor, but we must be in a specific position in our lives so we can attain that. God is certainly willing, but the reason many times why he does not act is because our lives are in the wrong place. Our intentions are not aligned with his character. If we want God's manifestation, then we need to get right with him. Today's message is inspired on Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 to 15. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, hallowed and glorified be your name. Blessing and honor and glory and praise be to you, O Lord God, for you are worthy to be praised and exalted, O Lord, for you are the almighty God of the universe. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because you care about us. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you please forgive my sins. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you please always remember us in your mercy and in your grace, that we are nothing without you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, we need your guidance. We need, Heavenly Father, that you please answer our prayers. Help us to understand where our lives need to be with you so that you can, in fact, hear our prayers and answer them. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 to 15. This is the word of the Lord. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king. So he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai and all its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoam, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish and the king of Eglon gathered together and went up, they and their armies, and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly, save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. 
Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with the great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Asica and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Asica, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. In this passage, we read of some of the conquests that the people of Israel had made to gain the much-desired promised land that God had said he would give them. And we read that certain miracles took place. The very first miracle we can see is that the people of Israel were facing nearly impossible odds. Israel were people that had been traveling from place to place ever since they had left Egypt. They were not established as a nation by any means. And yet they were challenging established kingdoms, people that had fortification, trained armies, weapons of war, and so on. And these kingdoms were mighty. Despite all of the odds, they were victorious wherever they went, but because God was with them acting in their favor. Outnumbered and outmatched in human terms, they still won. In one instance, as the armies fled from them, God allowed for there to be a large hailstone storm that actually killed more people than what Israel had done through their own hands, which is miraculous. And the other miracle is that God actually made the day stand still, literally, to give time and light to Israel so they could finish the battle successfully. We are told that there had been no day like that ever, nor before, and as far as we know, after that. The sun had risen and set for quite some time as it happens today, but God allowed for things to stand still on that day all in response to Joshua's plea. So a good question to ask ourselves is, how can we have God intervene for us miraculously? The good news is that God does listen to prayer and he is willing to do great things, but there must be certain things in place in order for him to intervene miraculously on our behalf. The very first thing to keep in mind is that there must be faith, true faith, which consists of not just believing in who God is and in what he is capable of doing, but more importantly, that a person has a genuine will and desire to do his will. That is the very first thing and true faith. The Bible does say that God is constant. So that's how we can rest assured that if God did miracles before, he can do them today and he can do them tomorrow. Just as it is written, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And regarding faith, the word also says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those 
who diligently seek him. In conjunction with true faith and genuine faith, a person must have established a true and genuine relationship with the Lord. God does not hear the prayers of people that do not belong to him. He listens to those that have fully surrendered their lives to him. We need to remember that we are God's creation, but that we are not born children of God. We need to make a decision for him, to belong to him, to receive him in our hearts so we can become his children. For it is written in John, it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And how does a person receive God in their lives? There's only one way, by repenting and converting from all sins and accepting Jesus as the effective and literal Lord of their lives by completely surrendering to him. That is the only way a person can come to have God in their lives. The only way a person can come to belong to God Almighty. Once a person belongs to the Lord, then their prayers can be legitimately answered. The next thing that there must be so God intervenes in response to our prayers is that there must be a divine purpose. And this is related to our own relationship with the Lord. We're not supposed to try to align God with us, but rather we must align ourselves with God. This is one of the biggest problems that exist today, that most believers look to make God serve them rather than them live for the Lord. In a Lord-servant position, the basis for our very salvation, we need to hold the Lord as the Lord of our lives, and we must be the servant and never the other way around. What do we see in Joshua's life? It wasn't Joshua's bright idea of giving Israel a promised land. It wasn't even Moses' idea. God had told Moses that he would give Israel a promised land, a land that flowed with milk and honey, to give them cities that they didn't build, nor lands that they did not cultivate. And so Joshua aligned his whole life with God's purpose, God's plan. So Joshua had asked for things that were related to accomplishing God's purpose. So that's what should happen in our lives also, if we want for God to intervene. The other thing that needs to be well is our walk with the Lord. Just because we have asked the Lord to be in our lives does not mean that we are well with everything. We always need to remember that we have free will and within that free will, we are free to choose what we want to do. And we need to be doing God's will in our lives. But as you may know, not everyone chooses to use their newfound freedom in Christ to do God's will. And they allow for sin to influence their thoughts and ways too much. And that's a problem. The Bible clearly tells us, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? When we are actively practicing sin, we are quenching the Holy Spirit, which means that we are like pouring water on the fire of the Holy Spirit. This, of course, affects our relationship with God. Now, how do we practically take care of this issue, especially considering that we are not perfect beings? The Bible makes a clear distinction between sin and the practice of sin. While here in this flesh, during this present time, we will continue sinning, even if we have surrendered our lives to the Lord. We are not perfect people, nor can we be perfect while still in this corrupt form in the flesh. But there is a big difference between sinning and the practice of sin. We will sin, and we should seek God's forgiveness all of the time, 
but also we should let the Holy Spirit work in our lives so that we can sin less. This is what the word of God has to say about this. In Romans chapter six, it says, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. You should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And so through the Lord Jesus Christ, we should endeavor to shed sin, to let go of sin. And that includes thinking selfishly. If we think selfishly, we will only look to do our will and not the will of the Father, which is the main reason for our existence, the why we were created, made, and now through the Lord Jesus Christ saved for all eternity. So we can do those things that perpetuate life. In line with that, with the desire we should have to serve the Lord as the fulfillment of our existence, our prayer must be set for right things, for things that align with God's perfect will, for God's purpose. Let's look at a moment at what James chapter four says about this. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. This is what happens when a person lets sin reign in their life. Because even though they have supposedly come to faith in Christ, they are still friends with the world in their heart, meaning that they have allowed for the world system to continue to run in their lives. These are the people that want to be right with the world and right with the Lord. They want to go to heaven, but also maintain an earthbound mentality. And how can a person even consider God's will if they are allowing themselves to be controlled by the world and they have their eyes set and heart still on the world? Our heart must be ultimately right with the Lord if we want for God to intervene. Jeremiah chapter 17 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Joshua's heart was right before the Lord. Despite his possible imperfections, he was focused on God's will and made God's purpose his purpose. He lived to serve the Lord. And so we need to align ourselves with the Lord with all of our heart, thereby also fulfilling the first commandment. As it is written, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. All of the law and the prophets, ultimately God's will is fulfilled through this one concept that should be the foundation for everything in our lives, to love the Lord with everything we are. This was what was right with Joshua and what we need to have right also if we want for the Lord to intervene miraculously in our lives. Now, there is one other thing we do need to have clear, and that is who ultimately answers our prayers. 
There are people that supposedly get what they want when they pray and they think that they are within God's grace because they get what they want when they ask for it. And that may not be the case. This is what we need to bear in mind always as it is written. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. We will ultimately get what we truly want, and so we need to be careful with what we want. If we just want earthly things, then that is all we're going to get, and I'm sure that is what most people are after. But the problem with that is that if a person is just focused on this world, then they're going to be out of God's will, God's purpose, and so they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They can say all they want that they believe in God, but if they don't do the Father's will through their life, they simply will not be allowed to enter his kingdom. Just as it is written, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Herein lies the danger when we are not focused on doing the Father's will. And this is something else we need to keep in mind. Answered prayer is not necessarily a sign that shows that our lives are right with the Lord. The devil also answers prayer, especially when we are too focused on not doing God's will. The devil will do anything possible to help keep someone on the wrong path, including giving them the things they are looking for. That's why answered prayer cannot be taken as a sign of someone being right with God. That's why it is so important to have our hearts right with the Lord. If we want for God to intervene and answer our prayers, our hearts need to be right before the Lord, under the Lord's dominion, with true and genuine love for Him. That's the only way God will intervene miraculously by answering our prayers. God wants to intervene miraculously in our lives. He does want to do great, wonderful, and tangible things with us. He has nothing but good intentions for us, even when we think that things are not going well or our way. But in order for God to act as we need Him in our lives, we need to be aligned with Him. We need to be seeking after Him. We need to look to do His will. And the most important thing is that we need to have true love for Him as the foundation for everything in our life. This is something we always need to keep in mind at the forefront of everything, of our thoughts and intentions, that it is an all or nothing endeavor with the Lord. The Lord wants our complete surrender. He wants for our will to be yielded to Him completely. Now why is that the demand? He demands this for our own good and because it is the only way we can be fair, the only way we don't sin against Him. God has given us everything we have unmeritedly, starting with our existence. If you and I are here right now at this very moment, it is because God has allowed for that to happen. And if you and I are living and breathing right now, it is because through His almighty person is that He is allowing for that to happen. This is what the Word says. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. 
And so if your heart is beating right now, it's because of his say so. If your lungs are breathing, it's because he is allowing for that to happen. If everything around you is what it is, both the visible and invisible world, so that you can survive at this very instant, it's because his magnificence and incredible power are allowing for those things to occur. Just because we are limited beings and cannot understand fully the reality that surrounds us does not make those things non-existent. And least of all, that God is not in control of them. There are incredible things happening all around us, all of the time, just so we can exist at this very instant. And on top of that, despite of our sinful ways, God still chose to love us. And he gave us a way to salvation through the person of Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of the cross. We owe everything to the Lord. So the only way we can be fair to him is by acknowledging everything he does and returning that love to him. And if we don't desire to do so, it is the unfairest thing anyone can ever do to him. That is what sin ultimately is, returning evil for good. From a practical point of view, we need to understand that God is life, everlasting life. He is an eternal being. And so if we want to take on his traits as the eternal being he is, then we need to align with his ways. We need to do as he tells us to do. And this is a very simple concept to understand. If you want eternal life, eternal reward, to not only live forever, but also reign with the Lord, logic would dictate that you should do as he tells you to do things. He is our model. The Lord Jesus Christ is our example. Who is the only one that has conquered death? Jesus Christ. One day you and I will die. And if we don't want to wind up in eternal damnation because there are only two destinations, then we need to follow to do as the only one in history that has ever triumphed over death and hell, the Lord Jesus Christ. And even more so, if we want for him to intervene in our lives, then we need to do exactly as he says. I leave this as a final thought. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, blessing and honor and glory be to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, because you truly desire to do good to us. Heavenly Father, help us to understand and see that good. Help us to understand that we owe you everything. Help us to understand, Lord God, that your will needs to be done because your will is what allows for us to have eternal life. I pray in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, that you help us to set our lives straight with you, that we may be in the right place, Lord God, not just because we want our, 
our prayers answered. But to be fair with you, Lord God, to return the incredible love that you have given us, and that we might be able to return that love also. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you help us, O Lord, to be selfless, to look to you, Lord God, to follow you with all of our hearts, to be faithful to you, because you are more than faithful to us. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.